this is Lauren Angle of Sidewalk Talk. I do my interviews, you know, walking and talking around the streets. This one I actually did in Hong Kong, which is where I'm from. This is my first interview ever. Thank you so much, Crywolf. Crywolf is a really talented musician who I met through Brett Blackman, whose interview will be up soon. But he grew up in Hong Kong, same as me, and... We just talked about everything since the beginning when he started making dubstep and over the years he's grown to have a really cultish following who are obsessed with his music videos, his music, all the artwork, everything is just super super cohesive and we just talk about his whole journey so far and his perspective on life. It's really noisy because it's Hong Kong. This might be one of the noisiest interviews I've done so bear with it, screen out the noise and hope you guys enjoy.
I sold paper airplanes. I was like very industrious back then. Yeah. I'm not really like that anymore, like trying to start trying to sell shit, you know. Um, but at the time I did that a lot and um, I tried to roller skate a lot, but I was always terrible. <laughs> I had to put a, a pillow in my pants on my butt. Oh. I fell on my butt a lot. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, that's most of what I remember, just like playing with. Oh, we'd go to the dump a lot. Yeah, you know, I'm realizing that I grew up like a fucking slum child. <laughs> I, we, I was about to say one of the one of our main things was my friends and I would go to the dump and like take apart old electronics and like old wooden things and just like combine them and act like it was like an invention. We just like nail something to something and like attach <laughs> a fan from an old computer to it and be like, we invented That sounds like some, thing. like, the unfortunate invention. Yeah. Like how they just yeah. make something out of like nothing but it's like so cool. But uh, yeah, it didn't, it was not actually an invention because nothing, it didn't do anything. It was just like, it just looked horrible. And we'd call it our business. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I grew up in like a fucking... I mean, I was trawling the trash of the child to play with things like those were my toys. And then you went to... A weird realization. <laughs> didn't really connect until I said the trash thing. Until this interview. Yeah. That's so funny. And then in North Carolina, you went to... It was still like middle school, high school there. Yeah. You went to both of them there. Yeah. Yeah. Were you like really into English back then, or really into English? Yeah, like reading and like. Oh yeah, well yeah, I read constantly growing up because uh, my mom is really, uh, really just super smart, and yeah. um, she always really empowered us a lot, and was always like, whatever your interests are, we'll like. Are just always encouraging us to really go for our interests and, and you know, if I express interest in uh, film, it would be like she'd like point out a bunch of different film books that I could get and read and kind of how I could develop that or like I was interested in sword making so she sort of like pointed out some different, you know, resources and was encouraging me to go for that. So, um, wait, what was it? Oh yeah, so I don't know, she was like a... She loved reading and always encouraged us to read a ton. And also, we didn't have like TV or video games or anything, so reading was like my version of watching movies. Um, so I read a ton growing up. So your parents are both like creative people. Yeah, my my dad is creative in a way different way. He's um, he's like more business oriented and coming up with schemes. Like like I'm sure I was channeling him when I was doing the the trash stuff. <laughs> Um, whereas my mom, my mom is way more like unlimited curiosity about the world and yeah. like creativity and you know. That's probably where you got all this like you like wanderlust from kind of. Oh yeah, like, totally. Yeah. She's the that I mean everywhere I go, she's like, oh, I wish I could go there. Like she's always wanting to know about. She's always researching viruses or uh, <laughs> and she's just always learning. So she's so like an encyclopedia. Them. Yeah, yeah. She's just so curious and I. The unlimited, the like boundless curiosity that she has, has been like such a hallmark quality of myself in my life, and it's it's the main thing that's led me to like so many of my interests, and, uh, travels, things like that. How do you describe yourself like back in like North Carolina, like high school, that time of your life? Um. Well, at the time, I think that whole time 
when I was a young kid there, like maybe when I was eight until I was 12 or so, I was just like creating things all the time. That was like my inventing phase. So I had like, I had like a forge and like built swords all the time. I spent a lot of time building swords. And then I built like skate ramps all the time. Um, like learn trying to work with computers and stuff like that and then when I became a teenager it was like I think my entire identity was just found in rebelling against my parents oh, and wow. the like conservative Christian culture there so I just became like really gothic and like oh, I hate everything was there like a kind of like a clique in high school that you were part of that were all kind of like this rebellious thing or no because I was homeschooled until junior oh, okay. year so, which is part, which is partly responsible for me just being very strange. Um, Were you like religious before, or was it just kind of like always? No, like... Um, I was always like really against, because like my parents and I didn't really get along that well when I was a teenager, and they were religious, so I was like fuck religion. And, uh, and the my, whole town kind of was. Oh yeah, like yeah. that whole culture. I mean, everything there is based on Christian principles, Christian morals. Um, so if you don't if you don't agree with those things, you're like, I mean, I grew up thinking that people who drank a lot were like the worst. I mean, like so terrible. Or like people that did any drug. Like the way that I thought about anybody who does any drugs is like they're a homeless person injecting crack on the street, basically. Like, they are the lowest of, like, the most degenerate people. Mm -hmm. um, how did, how, like, where do you think you got, like, this change in mindset of, like, having your own thoughts of all this? Um, well, I was always sort of rebellious against it, and then when I moved to New York, I had a lot of, like... I had a lot of huge epiphanies about um, all of those sort of paradigms that I had grown up with, like realizing, oh my god, wait, I, I thought that I had rid myself of, of the influence of the conservative Christian world in the southeast, but I still think about the world this way, holy shit, you know, like, especially stuff like thinking about, about gender roles and stuff, that's a good example, like, yeah. you, like, at the time when I moved to New York, I thought that I was totally objective about gender roles, and I'm like, I would never judge, I don't have anything where I judge women for this or this or this, and yet I took a modern political theory uh, class, and we were reading about, I think it was Locke, who was like a utilitarian uh, political theorist, and he was like, he was talking about women in uh, like math and science fields, and his whole thing was like, just from a utilitarian perspective, we should be included. Uh, really encouraging women to get in these fields because we're only taking advantage of half the workforce. You know, the entire 50% of people that aren't in this uh, in this field. And uh, it was basically talking about how the idea that women aren't naturally good at math and science is just because we have not encouraged them to yeah, do math and science. You know, so back true. then in the 80s, it was like a really revolutionary concept. And I realized, like, my whole life, I've just, in my mind, it's been like, oh, women aren't as good at math and science. And I realized, that's such bullshit. <laughs> I, I just always thought that. Like, the, it's totally not true at all. It was just like mind-blowing to me realizing because I would have never thought of myself as being like a, 
you know, chauvinistic person in any way. And yet I was doing these things that were totally chauvinistic. Yeah, um, yeah so like, were there other people who like gave you that mindset? It's mostly like school that you were like seeing these yeah, theories. Yeah, school was a huge part of it. And then just my own thought processes and stuff being like, you know, for the first time in my entire life, actually thinking, what if there's no God? Like that was that was just such a essential thing that you don't even question, you know? Like when you live in the Southeast, so you don't think about it for a second in a real way, you know, you don't actually mentally go, hold on, yeah. what are the implications of this yeah. world being just by chance and just existing and there being no higher standard of morals? Um, but yeah, so living in New York just totally changed that for me. Um, I grew up like straight edge, and then and then after all of that changed, it was like this huge nihilistic period for me where I was like, nothing matters. The only thing that matters is me experiencing things in life, and then that combined with my curiosity, I was just like, everything, do everything, experience everything. Everything is so crazy. <laughs> And then, but you studied like econ, right? Uh, yeah, because initially what I wanted to do was uh, to, uh, what I initially wanted to go into was sustainable development in third world countries. Um, so I moved to Sudan after I graduated and I was like helping build schools there. And then after a while, I was like, wait a second, why the fuck would I, as a person from the Western world, spend thousands and thousands of dollars to come here and do what I could give somebody else 50 bucks to do, and I could go involve myself with the things that actually make a huge difference in the country. So, so I went back to study economics and international relations as a double major. Basically, the idea was figuring out ways to raise the poverty floor in countries. Uh, like for instance, in the US you can get running water anywhere. So you are unable to be as impoverished as somebody could be in a country that doesn't have wide access to running water. Just because of the infrastructure, you cannot be that poor anymore. Like it's impossible to be that poor. Um, so things, or you have roads, you know, you have roads between everywhere in the US. So it's impossible to be to have those issues yeah, of not you being need, able like, to trade, the basic you know? things set up and yeah. then be able to move from there. There's so many that. things that you can like just move the entire country's floor. Instead of just feeding people or giving people some water, you can you can set up entire water systems so that so that it literally is impossible for them to die of you know not having water. They could because they will always have. Yeah. So yeah. So econ is basically just studying studying what makes countries grow, what what takes a country from the third world and develops it into the second world, what, you know, ed through education, through infrastructure, stuff like that. So that was like my goal at the time. Yeah. But your parents didn't like make you like get a degree, right? It was like only yourself that you Oh yeah, I just wanted to. I love school. I just love learning. Um, I was like obsessed with it when I was no. there. It's like, oh. That's I was so just cool. Sucking up information all the time. It's like I, all the really cool like electives and everything. Yeah, I uh, I just really loved learning. Um, I only left school because Crywolf just got too. It just yeah, started. Yeah, I feel like now, busy. like fourteen minutes into the interview, and then you start talking about music. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. I, <laughs> so funny. Yeah. So let's. How about? 
like music? How did you start? Um, I started while I was going to school oh, in the mountains. I, I started going to school in New York and then I had this whole existentialist crisis and bought a motorcycle and was traveling around for a long time. And Wait, then I came back. Around the and, state? Yeah, yeah. Then I came back and um, started going to school in the mountains and it was just an easier workload so I started making music on the side. Um, I just kind of heard about electronic music and I was like, oh, it'd be cool to make that. So I just started playing around with it, but then it like, we had like a, hype, a couple of Hype Machine number ones and it like just started getting traction and we started touring a bunch. And then I just like couldn't keep up with both. So I ended up dropping out um, to pursue music. And then you went to like, Iceland for a bit, right? To work on your music. Yeah. What was your like thought process behind that you were like going through something in life? Yeah, I um basically I had been making electronic music, which wasn't really what I wanted to be making. I mean it was made like drop based music and um I it wasn't what I wanted to be making. What I wanted to be making was totally different. It was like lots of crazy textures and percussive elements and uh, much more of like an indie type thing, sort of like a radical face or a, you know, City in Color, Bon Iver, uh, all the people that inspire me. Um, it, but I didn't feel like I, I was scared to do it because I was like, I don't know if it'll be, if it'll be received well, you know, there are so many artists that are on the come up and then they make some album and everyone's like, well, that's when they died because that was a shit album. Like, they totally tried to do something weird and it didn't work. So I was scared, but I had come to a point in my career where I was like, this just isn't, making something that's not exactly what I want is not satisfying to me. I need to make exactly what I want to make. And if people like it, people like it. If they don't, they don't. I just don't give a shit anymore. Yeah. Um, I feel like people would respect you more for kind of like just doing your own thing and you'd yeah. find your like more like cult solish like fan base. Yeah. So I um I decided to go to Iceland because it was it just inspires me a ton aesthetically and just isolate myself like way off in the middle of this fishing village on the coast. Um, it's like almost totally isolated. Uh, I just wanted to put myself in a in a set and setting that was going to inspire really unique things uh, for me. Instead of just like being in my apartment in LA or something, I wanted to be in this crazy place. Um, so yeah. Were you using like, you record it on your computer or did you actually like use it? Like oh, I used a lot. Yeah, the, one of the rooms in the house was like totally wooden. So I would set up a microphone and just find the weirdest items just create all these weird percussive sounds um, like crushing a water bottle or dropping a bunch of pans on the floor or like me screaming really loud in the back of the room or things like that and um, like all the percussion and stuff on Cataclysm is all stuff that I recorded um, in Iceland just like really strange. How long were you there for again? Uh, like a month and a week. Oh wow. And it was uh... Well, you, had, you had like a team of people right? No no it was just me most of the time. At oh. first my girlfriend at the time came for the first week to film some stuff and then um, my brother came for one week to film some stuff and work on music with me. But besides that I was just there alone going yeah. crazy. And, and it was during the part of the month that it's light for, you know, 23 and a half hours of the day. 
so it's like so almost many never thoughts dark. going through your head, right? Like oh alone. Were you going through something like in your love life too? Or? Yeah, I, I mean it was a it was a really unique part. It was a really unique point in the relationship that I was in, um, and it was a lot of stuff that I didn't even really understand that I was going through until I made the album, and then listened to the songs later and like. Oh my god, this song is totally about this. At the time, it's like, where is this coming from? God, there's so much violence in this. There's so much sadness in this. Like, it doesn't make sense. And then later, listening back, I'm like, oh my god, it makes so much sense. Everything here is like a perfect, you know, description of what I was going through subconsciously and, you know, my thought processes and stuff. So it was like, it was really hard being alone for that long and it made me kind of go crazy because it was always light. I was all just stuck in this room for days on end, no human interaction. But it did, it did exactly what I wanted it to do. It put me through something really difficult and it brought out a lot of really honest art for me. And I didn't censor any of it. I didn't try to change any of it to fit any sort of mold. Um, so it just ended up being pretty much exactly what I wanted, like a really strange but very honest and vulnerable expression of my state at the time. Um, you think you're going to do a trip like that again to like yeah. get into that? Yeah, I'm doing it for the next album um, and I'm doing it in April. Where are you going? Uh, well, I'm trying, I'm actually rethinking a lot of things now. Yeah. Initially I was planning on going to uh, Vietnam yeah. uh, or uh, somewhere in Japan because the thing about Iceland is that it's like brand new geologically comparatively to most landmasses so like it's, it's like 18 million years old versus 550 million years old yeah. as North America is so the entire landscape is just insane it looks like a different planet it looks like if they found like a habitable planet in the next galaxy or solar system and then they had like video of it like Iceland is what it would look like. You'd be like, everything is so weird here. Why are there rocks stacked up like this high in the middle of nowhere? Or why, instead of grass, do they just have giant black volcanic rocks going on with weird bright green moss on them for, for miles and miles? Um, so I wanted that kind of place to spark my creativity and like put me in a different place. Um, and so the idea for the next album is going to a place that's similarly alien but with a totally different aesthetic. So, uh, something like something like Japan. Yeah. Uh, Japan would be way more greens, way more, you know. I actually just came back from Okinawa. Oh, right. And it's like the uh, island on the south. And it's just like by its own self. It's kind of like the people over there have different mindsets to like the whole the like mainland of Japan. Uh -huh. And the American military bases there. Oh, really? There's so many Americans actually there, but like, it's like the place that people go for like more nature-y stuff in Japan. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I should look into that. I'm, I was sort of straying away from Japan just because it's so expensive and I could use yeah. all Okinawa that money. Okinawa is pretty cheap. Oh, it is? Yeah, it's really mm. not that bad. Yeah, like it's cheaper than here. The That'd be cool. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it just it would be nice to go somewhere where I could take the same budget as I had in Iceland. I thought it was expensive. 
It yeah, is. Yeah. Iceland's really expensive. Yeah. But if I took that same budget and went to Southeast Asia, I could be like, I could make it go so much further. Yeah, I could do all kinds of crazy even stuff. Like another place in Asia I want to go to. Um, yeah. But I've also been thinking about maybe South America, like somewhere in the Amazon. My ultimate thing is like maybe like a, a house over a river in the jungle. Like, you know, a totally different aesthetic than Iceland, but just similarly like something I've never been to. Yeah. Something I've never experienced. Um, I think it was somewhere in Thailand for my school trip, and we were like camping in the rainforest and sleeping, oh, like in hammocks. Oh, Woke cool. up with leeches on me. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Leeches outside of the water? Yeah. Like I it was. They were only in the water. I don't even know how it ham like happened, but like I woke up in my hammock and it was like, it's like a 360 hammock, so you like covered your face. <laughs> Oh my god, I, leeches are like so cringy. So you just have to like pull them out? Yeah, there's like pull it and then they taught us, like the tour guy told us, you like pulled it and then you twist it and you flicked it. Like he, like as soon as we went to that like rainforest area, he like demoed us how to like get rid of these leeches. God, okay, maybe the rainforest is out. Uh, <laughs> thank you for clarifying that one for me. They're from that, I don't think they're that harmless, they're just kind of like, oh, this is like not something that you wake up to next every day. But you feel their thing like coming out of your skin? I think it's just like something like a... Oh, it's just like really yeah. small? Oh, okay. oh, it's just like these I was stuff. imagining like something this big being like inside. Oh, no! I mean, like a little, no. you know, skinny like tongue and you're like pulling it out and you can feel it coming out of your... It's just their teeth that latch onto you. Oh, that's not so bad. Yeah, it's not that bad. It's just... Teeth can latch onto me, that's... <laughs> Do you see music as something that you want to like continue on for the rest of the thing, or do you have, you have like other you really like want to get into? If music is just part of a large group of arts that I'd like to get into, so I really want to branch out to like clothing. Oh, wow. um, I've really been researching a lot for like starting uh, my clothing line. So I uh, I have a label called Atomic Records and. I really wanted to launch um, a clothing line associated with it, and um, so I've been doing a bunch of research for it. Uh, but that was no me. Hooking up, you know, kind of connecting manufacturers and stuff like that. So clothing is an area that I want to get into. Um, uh, I've always really wanted to get into investing. Um, I've always really wanted to get into visual art, like lots of video stuff. Yeah. Sick ideas. Um, uh, acting, acting is something that I used to do a lot. Oh, really? Not done, uh, at all. I can so. see you as an actor. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really good at like real acting. I was just like, as a kid, I was really good at like the over the top, fantastical acting. Like, wow. You know, as a kid, that's what people want for like commercials. And stuff. You don't have to be like good at portraying emotions. So I'd have to like practice a lot, but I don't know. I'd be cool. So yeah, I really want to like, I want to establish Crywolf and really get it to the ultimate point that I want it to be at. And then once you get an artist project really big, it becomes way more sustainable and you can you can spend your time doing other things. Like, you know, once you get to a certain point, you can release an album every three years and it's okay. As opposed to having to release one every year or something. Yeah. Um, or do you see your sound evolving too? Um... I think it's getting a lot more mellowed out. I mean, it already mellowed out a lot with Cataclasm, but it's getting more and more acoustic, more and more um, 
really based on like the richness of lyrics uh, and the substance as opposed to necessarily having these huge compositions. Um, so like the single that's coming out uh, in like a couple days called Wait is just totally acoustic. It's like me in a room singing with a guitar. And we recorded it in like one shot. Um, and then we added on like, you know, a, a bunch of vocal parts and stuff, but but it's totally acoustic. It's not, there aren't any electronic things in it, anything that's produced. Um, it was just me and a friend of mine in a room like recording lots of weird percussion and stuff. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff like that that now I'm moving into because I just like don't, you know, I don't know, I want, I want, I want my live set to be a lot more uh, like introspective and slow moving. I don't want it to be like all the time. I don't need like a Chanel. So, like ultimately with the Crywolf live set, I would like to have like a thirty-person uh, symphony on stage. That like, sounds amazing. I oh, feel like I so rarely cool. see acts like that these days. Yeah, like I really yeah. want like a string you have section. To do this. Yeah, like a string section, a choir. Uh, you know, all the kinds of different instruments, crazy percussion. Um, and my concept is, I mean, do you see the, the Cry Wolf mask, yeah. the Okami mask? Um, my concept is to have every member of the band wearing one of those masks. So it's like, it's like me and this giant orchestra of wolves on stage. Um, so that's sort of, like I have the whole like five year plan kind of planned out. And just kind of moving towards that. Yeah, yeah. I'm make, so excited for that live. Oh set. my god! Like, I, well, because I make all my compositions, they're, they're so complex, they're so dense, they have like so many different elements, and it sucks that on stage there's only one of me, so I can play one drum part or one piano part while I'm singing. It would be so cool to have all these people playing all these complex parts. Uh, you know, yeah, that, that's the dream uh, yeah. right now. Sound-wise, I think I'm pretty much where I want to be, but yeah, I think it will probably get more, more sub, a little bit more subdued or a little bit more introspective, um, just as I mature as a person, yeah. you know, I'm sure my lyrics will become, you know, I'm, I'm improving as a songwriter, it'll become more succinct, more uh, vulnerable. I can see myself developing as a songwriter, and a lot of the stuff on the new EP is just a lot more directly vulnerable than I'm used to being. Like in Cataclysm, a lot of it was was vulnerable, but it was through a lot of abstract language, like metaphors and stuff like that. Um, whereas a lot of the stuff on the new EP is just like is like terrifyingly direct vulnerability. Like you're just straight up. Are you scared that you're like showing so much of yourself? Oh my god. I mean, it's terrifying. I, every new release, I want to be terrified. That's a good feeling that you showed yeah, so much of yourself. It means that I'm being really vulnerable and I'm putting myself out there. Like when I released Cataclysm, I was so scared that it would be the demise of my career. I was like, I loved it so much. I thought it was my magnum opus, but I thought that people would hate it. And with this EP, I just, well, I just put out a song called Windswept, and with that song, I mean, that song is like, like I said, just so direct. It's not like, it's not like using this abstract language or this, these nebulous things to sort of communicate a feeling. It's like straight up saying what 
was fucked up about something or what how I'm fucked up or you know what I'm sad about or what I went through and that's like I'm like oh god like I don't really talk to people about those things I certainly don't talk to a million strangers about those things uh, so yeah that one was like holy shit I oh, this is so terrible <laughs> like, it's just so and there's like a there's like an excerpt of like of like conversation between me and my girlfriend when we were breaking up it just like comes up and it plays in the middle of it and like just terrifying things like I remember when I was um, I made that song and then didn't listen to it for a long time and then uh, they made a video with it and I listened to it uh, and I was like what the fuck am I doing? I am not putting this song out. This is so fucked up. Like, it was so clear and like everything was just, I was just laid so bare. And I, I was just like, I can't fucking do this. Um, but then I put it out and it was like really, really well received specifically for the vulnerability. And I, I guess I just keep forgetting that like, vulnerability is people, the like, entire purpose yeah. of artistry. Like that, for me at least. That's like the entire purpose of making art is to be as honest and vulnerable as possible with your audience about what you're going through and what you're doing, um, about your feelings, because then people really relate yeah, to it. Yeah, they know, connect they, and they have their own yeah, life stories. They reciprocate big time. I mean, art does. Art has this. I used to get lots of messages where people were like, you know, your your music has. Um, I used to be so depressed, and now your music has really brought me out of that. Or, you know, I was thinking about killing myself, and then your music made me not want to do that. And I was always like, my, my music is so depressing. My music, I would be expecting to get the opposite things. Like, oh my God. I listen to your music, and God, now I want to just, you know, give up. Um, but I realized that music like that has this almost, um, it has this effect like a, a certain solidarity. It's like, you're feeling all of these things, these complex emotions, and you feel alone in that. You feel like nobody else has felt that sort of feeling. And then you listen to these lyrics and you're like, that is exactly what I feel. Oh my God, I'm not alone. This is like a thing that people feel. This is, it's not just me. I don't hate myself anymore because it's not me feeling being weird. It's like a real thing. And then also sometimes people can't can't express that emotion like they know it's there but they can't really s explain why it's there and then they hear your lyrics and they're like oh my god this is it explains this is the exact thing you know yeah like that word sodade if you didn't know that word you might feel that emotion but you just can't put you know you, you don't have a title for it you know you can't like put uh you can't stick, get your finger on it and then you hear the word and you're like that's it that's what i've been doing so yeah, I think it has like a cathartic um, function for yeah. people, that sort of music. And and if I'm trying to, if I'm trying to make music for any other purpose besides expressing my own vulnerability and honesty, if I'm trying to make it like cooler so it'll be more successful in this way or more, more this particular way so it'll get on, you know, it'll do well on Hype Machine you know, oh my God. or heavier so that people, you know, it'll be high energy. So that's super important to me. Last question, what do you want to be remembered for? Remembered for? In the short term, I really love the idea of making albums that define parts of people's lives. So for me, there are certain albums I can point to that 
encapsulated three years of my high school life, you know. Um, certain albums, uh, like Illuminate by Lydia, which is more of an unknown artist, but or something like uh, Define the Great Line by Underoath. It was just like, that was what I listened to when I was that age, and it just, it was, it was like I was saying, it's like, you hear these things and you're like, this is exactly what I'm feeling, this just encapsulates everything about my life right now. And then, um, and you listen to it a thousand times, you know, all the lyrics, it means so much to you. And then like 15 years later, I'll listen to it and be like, it's just as good. Those feelings come up, it's like, I, I just like, I'm so thankful for those albums, for expressing things, for being vulnerable with me, for me being able to, you know, get that cathartic release and that emotional, uh, you know, healing from that. So in the short term, I really want to be, I want my albums to be remembered as the things that like, like the soundtrack to people's relationships or the soundtrack to people's healing in certain ways, you know, the kind of thing that you're like, man, if I didn't have that album when I was in high school, things would have been so much worse because this is what I always listen to to calm down and be understood. Um, I really love that now I've been making music for, you know, four years. So now there are people that will say things like that. They're like, my whole high school life, I was listening to you. Like you, you know, were like the soundtrack to everything I did. And it's so cool to think like every, every highest high, every lowest low, every time they were alone, you know, they were digesting that art. And like, it became something that means so much to them. I just love that idea. Um, I think there's, there's no better compliment there, like no better, purpose that I could serve in someone's life artistically than, than providing that for them. So that's what I'd like to be remembered yeah. as. I want to be, I want to make the kind of albums that people listen to 15 years later and are like, oh my God, it's just as good. It's still so good. Everything is just, it brings back the same emotions. It has aged so well. Um, yeah, I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Bye.